welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian. Today is Season 1, Episode 8. I'm talking with Mike Slater today, who is the head of Red Duke Games, and also, more importantly for this episode, he is the author or co-author of the Necronom Nom Nom, which is a cookbook that is dedicated to the H.P. Lovecraft mythos. Um, if you're like me, um, you're an H.P. Lovecraft fan, and I'm also a collector, so this was a really um, neat project that was uh, dear to my heart, because not only is it a cookbook, and I get to talk to a cookbook author, but it also deals with the H.P. Lovecraft mythos, which I enjoy. So this is a really fun conversation for me. Um, I really love talking to Mike. He's a very fun person to talk to, and I just really enjoyed the entire conversation. I would love to talk to him again sometime, and I hope I get to. So hope you enjoy this. I know you will. And uh, here it is. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to the podcast today. I'm interviewing Mike, Mike Slater from Red Duke Games. He is the author of the Necronom, the Necronom Nom Nom Nom. And That's uh, right. Everybody trips over that a little bit. Uh, thank you, Dean. And uh, hi, everybody out there in Podland. Wait, Podland? Is that, a, is that a thing? It makes it sound like we should check the basement. I, I, th I think we should. OK. <laughs> It's the, the Necronom Nom Nom, cookbook of eldritch power. First off, I want to say, Ia, Ia, Cthulhu Fatanga. Ia, Ia, Cthulhu Fatanga. Get that out of the way. That's good. That'll help things go hopefully smoothly. Um, I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, I just want to get a brief background and bio on you for the people who don't know you. Sure, which would be you know pretty much everybody yeah um so let's see i um have been a lovecraft reader since i was a kid um which might explain a few things because i probably should not have had access to lovecraft at the age i picked him up but um you know you're walking through the uh the b dalton bookstore and you see the michael whalen covers for the daw editions of the book and you just oh, yeah. go wow, what is this? I mean, I had recently been introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I knew what Call of Cthulhu the game was. I'd been reading, you know, Piers Anthony and Roger Zelazny. And so that was really where the Lovecraft thing started. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I read them. I probably finished most of his works the first time in college, which did not by any stretch make me any kind of expert i mean you know just a fan right um but there was just something about them that um you know like for millions and millions of others just stuck with me in terms of the quality of the storytelling and its um differences to practically everything else i had ever read right so um how did the idea how did the idea for the Necronom Nom Nom come about? <laughs> well, um, back in the early 2000s when the, the Nom Nom meme became a thing. Oh yeah. Um, my brain heard that and immediately said, oh, well, there should be a Necronom Nom Nom. <laughs> and I laughed and I wrote it down on the little piece of paper that I carried in my wallet at the time because smartphone smartphones weren't really a thing at least I didn't have one at that point um and I stuffed it in my wallet and 
it sat there and reminded me every once in a while that if I don't do this, someone else surely will. And so I began to accumulate ideas for what would, what recipes, what kind of recipes would go in such a book. And um, years and years later, when uh, <laughs> Tom Roach um, asked me if uh, he wanted to, if we should start a game company together, I said, yeah. Um, and you know what our first product should be, Tom? He said, what? And I said, a cookbook. And he said, yeah, what? <laughs> he just looked at me and I said, have an idea. And by then I had like 37 recipes, you know, jotted down at least at a name level. And of course they were all egregious puns. Yeah. <laughs> so when he stopped laughing, he said, you know, I don't know if this is going to work, but I, I think it's great. Um, and I said, well, um, you know, we don't, we don't have to figure it out ourselves. We can ask the internet. Um, so another friend, uh, Tim Carl, put me together with uh, Kurt Komoda, who was the artist for the book. And, you know, I said, hey, I, I want to do this crazy project. Um, you are well known for your Lovecraftian um, drawings and images and monsters. And I want to do a cookbook. And, you know, of course, I could sort of hear him over the phone thinking, what? But uh, he said, yeah, man, send me some... Uh, some concepts and um, I'll work something up. So we got the um, recipe for the sandwich horror and I gave him, you know, I took pictures, I made it, I took pictures of it. I sent him notes and I said, can you make this look like a, I don't know, 14th century, you know, magical grimoire slash medical text, you know, on like sepia, you know, parchment type paper burned at the edges, that sort of thing. Um, and he did. And the first images were jaw dropping. Um, he is a sorcerer. You will not convince me otherwise. Um, he drew exactly what I wanted in my head. And we put it on Kickstarter. And the internet went bananas. Because <laughs> I, I was just really struck by uh, um, Kurt Weta's um, artwork. It was one of the first things about the book. When I started leafing through it, I was just like, I was gobsmacked by how amazing it was. I mean, I expected it to be good, but it's really good. And it's just like, I, I, I believe I've seen his work before, but I really enjoyed the hell out of all of it. Every single page has just got some great stuff on it. And it's, there's, there's no time at where you're not like, kind of just like your eyes drawn and you want to kind of linger a bit and see everything and see all the fine detail. It's really great artwork. Yep. He, he knocked it out of the park. Um, we wanted each page to be dense with, you know, things to look at, things to figure out. I mean, there's a bajillion Easter eggs in the book, you know, from like simple pop culture references to, um, you know, things that are deep in the lore. Um, and what I wanted was, even though it was a cookbook, I wanted, you know, true fans of Lovecraft, folks who kind of knew what they were about, um, where Lovecraft was concerned to look at it and go, oh, this is done by someone who, like, really kind of knows their stuff and cares about it and wanted to do it right. And that largely has been the reaction, which is very, very gratifying. I'm extremely grateful for that.
because it was a labor of love. I mean, it, it really looks like it. And also just reading it too. I mean, I don't want to um, give short shift to the writing, which is really good because I collect a lot of um, themed cookbooks, um, specifically horror or anything in the macabre. So I have the Adams Family cookbook. I have the, um, I have the uh, Hannibal Lecter cookbook. I have cookbooks oh actually. I have, I have many that are dealing with, you know, Halloween and stuff. And the one thing I see in all of them that I didn't see in yours is that most of them have these kind of recipes that you're like, eh, I mean, they're cute, but I really wouldn't make this. But your cookbook, on the other hand, I really do. I, I, I mean, I would, I would definitely say there's many things in here I would cook. And, and especially because not only would it be fun to see people's reactions when they saw this stuff on the plate at, at like a, a gathering, like a, at a Halloween party or a birthday party or gathering, but also just... Um, I think it'd be really good to eat too. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be just something where people would look at it, laugh, and then, you know, it would sit on the plate until it was tossed out. They would actually eat it or, or drink it because the drinks um, also, I want to mention are very well, well crafted. Apparently, I mean, you really, not only as a, as a writer of um, recipes, you knew what you're doing. You, you actually like gave a damn, which I don't always see in these, because right? uh, some of them are just like, slapping it together, but you really tried and it really looks like it. And the drinks, or, and the names are all hilarious, and I, I groaned and laughed at so much of the names, and because I love puns. I'm a big my, my to my wife and family's horror. I'm a big pun fan, and I laughed and laughed. And my wife's like, "What are you laughing about?" I said, "You, you it'd be I'll, I'll have to explain." So just never mind. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, the, the book is um, or whatever else, whatever other ingredients are in it. It is heavily seasoned with terrible puns. Yeah. Um, so that is um, it's sort of necessary that uh, you you be um, inoculated to that sort of thing. Um, the the quality of the recipes and the fact that they work and are you know, tasty is um, that is Tom Roach. He we refer to him as our chief culinary executive. He was the head chef for the project. Um, he made sure that you know not only do these things that are, you know, some of them family recipes written down for the first time um, and other things that were submitted. Um, he made sure that not only did they work, but that they were workable. That is, you know, here you are looking at this book and the writing is, you know, <clears throat> fairly crazy. And can you actually make this? Like, can you make this and have it come out the way it looks in the drawing? And by the way, I know it's unusual for a cookbook not to have photos. That is, uh, we, we have heard that multiple times, but every single drawing in that book is drawn from a photograph. And if you hold the two next to each other and look at them, you just say, oh, well, Kurt drew exactly what was on the plate. So yes, it's not in color, but um, ancient grimoires don't have photographs. So yeah. we made a choice where the aesthetics were more important um, in that case figuring that you know fans of the genre would understand that and they and they have by you know by and large um they absolutely have and the reaction has has just been great but tom made sure all the recipes worked they're um about uh i would say 40 percent family recipes of mine were things that i you know created for the book he contributes from his family about the same amount and then the remainder um we had several professional chefs and um, two backers who 
had some some pretty good cooking abilities of their own uh, submit recipes that we worked into the book so there are there's some pro stuff in there and there's some you know hey man i can make macaroni and cheese which frankly i started with a roast beef sandwich recipe because that was my cooking skill level at the time i learned to cook through the project yeah I, and i just i felt like as you said with with the artwork I at no time thought, gee, I wish I had a photo of this. The, the, the artwork is so good. You can fully visualize what, what the um, product's gonna look like when you're done with it. And, you know, if, if someone wants a photo for most things, there's um, a photo out there on, you know, our Facebook page or Instagram, uh, where the Necronom Nom Nom, you know, in both cases, and you can go see a photo either of something that we used to make the book or many things that fans have um, have submitted and put out there at this point. And some of their work is amazing. I mean, we ran a contest during the, the Kickstarter um, for um, a prize, but the task was to make the sandwich horror. And oh my gosh, the top three that we got back were like, first of all, they were, they were better than mine. I mean, they were just, they were better made they were better staged um and photographed <laughs> it was, uh, i mean these folks just went all out um and i i still have uh i still have them uh those photographs on my desktop uh just because you know they were that good and it it gives me a, a warm feeling to remember those um and the reaction that people had you know during during the creation of this thing so um, you can get photographs and we are super interactive, you know, with our fans. So, you know, if you email, um, you know, Red Duke Games LLC at gmail.com or you go to our Facebook page or Instagram and find us and say, hey, can I get a photograph of this or can you can you help me out with that? We always do that. We're happy to do that. Um, so there's that as well. Some of the, I mean, I I really grinned widely at some of them because some of, I, I really can conceptualize what people's reactions would be upon seeing them. Like at the Fountains of Madness, it's a cocktail that has these ice cubes that have uh, gummy bears in them. And the way the drink is staged and everything, you're seeing these little ice cubes with uh, what look like little frozen, uh, I don't know, little creatures inside. Yep. And yep. I imagine you handing somebody, here, have a drink, and looking at it going, what the hell? What the hell is this? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much the reaction we want. And then even if you're hesitant to taste it based on how it looks, when you do, you know, you shouldn't be spewing anything across the table at your host. Um, right. You know, like I said, it's all it's all been tested. The other thing about that, and that's a great example that you picked, is I didn't want the Lovecraftian element to stop at the name. Right. So at the Fountains of Madness, you know looks like something that came out of the journal of the expedition and you know there are elements of every story character or monster creature um deity you know in the recipe that the name is drawn from so they're all like little stories of their own i think people are putting more effort into stuff for like halloween parties or just any horror theme party and it, i think that people are wanting something a little bit better than just putting like a frozen hand in a punch bowl, right? So right, when yeah. I saw like the Nog So Hot, the liquor at the punch bowl, 
yeah. I laughed, of course, at the name. I thought it was brilliant. And then I actually read the recipe and conceived of it in my mind. And I'm like, that would be just so fun to serve this at a party and see people's reactions. Because it would, it would just be the gift they kept on giving all evening as they went and refilled their little punch thing. <laughs> yes. Um, at that, that one actually is so striking that uh, the Countryman Press chose it for the cover of the book. Yeah. Um, that is the chalice featured on the cover. And then I, I could see Herbert West's The Animator be an average drink you'd drink on, on a weekly basis because, you know, it's a nice drink, number one, and just, it's, I think I'll have, I, I had a hard day, I think I'll have a The Animator. Yeah, yes, and it does live up to its name. Um, the warnings in the recipe are absolutely true, um, and, and it will, you know, it will deanimate you if you overdo it. <laughs> I really want to try the Migo brain cylinder just because number one, I love the perversity of the whole thing and just, it sounds like a good drink anyway. So um, there's a couple of, uh, there's at least one um, very funny video out there in internet land about a guy making that. And I have to admit, I tried over and over, you know, before I got it right. It is, it is tricky to get it to do, um, what you want it to. And in fact, the original recipe just was completely, it just, it wouldn't work. And I figured, well, I can put this in instead of that. And sure, it'll be fine. No, it's all about chemistry and viscosities and, you know, velocity of pour and how you mix the ingredients. So that and the deanimator, like, so with the deanimator, the most important part is to get that neon green glowing color without adding, you know, something that clothes and is neon green. Um, that color is achieved, you know, naturally, but the specific, but the ingredients are very specific. The mixing instructions are very specific. And um, the Migo brain cylinder works the same way. They, they are technical drinks. They're, they're tricky. You can get them to taste good, no problem. But to get them to look the way they're supposed to is, takes a little practice. There are so many fun restaurants, but for some reason in my mind the last few weeks, I keep having this going through my mind. Uh, when you want a great meal that is so real, what are you gonna make? Shog pockets. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, we actually have sung that to people at, um, or no, not quite those lyrics. Those are brilliant. I may, I may borrow those. Um, but people have opened to that page and started chuckling, and like Tom will lean over and say, "Shog pockets," <laughs> and they just look up at us like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to unhear that. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that are Lovecraft enthusiasts and I just, I love the idea of them coming over and going, oh, let me, let me serve you something. How would you like a dramatic pause first and say the mounds of Tindalos and they're just like, as they learn, learn from me and start strangling. Yeah, right, yes, yep. <laughs> uh. Well, I make my kids every Halloween. We always make scalzones. We have a we use skull pan, oh, and nice. I, I'm a big Halloween guy. And then I'm just like looking at the cultists in robes, going, "This is going to be on the rotation every Halloween from now on." Yeah, um, Halloween is like Christmas at our house. Um, we have had a big party. Uh, it'll be 18 years coming up. Um, that that is just you know the whole house is decorated. Uh, it's always a costume party. Um, the uh, both the cultists in robes and the shog pockets exist because, like I said, 
I didn't cook at the beginning of this project. So as I'm figuring stuff out to make sure that these recipes work the way I want them to and didn't always have Tom to be there for a safety net. He has his own family and life and stuff. Um, you know, I can't just keep him locked, you know, chained in the basement for when I need cooking advice, um, sadly. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you can always try. Yeah, yeah. Those things exist because my kids, you know, would stampede into the kitchen. Oh my God, dad, dad, what are you doing? Don't touch that. Mom's going to kill you. You, you. you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, so they would want to help, um, probably mostly help me not burn the kitchen down or set myself on fire. But their involvement is why the kids menu exists in the book, because they just started to have their own ideas. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. Let's, let's make it this way. How about that? So a lot of things were tested on my own children. And, um, you know, That's no tentacles. I, I keep trying, but, you know, no tentacles yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we say at, uh, we say at conventions and, and shows, you know, we're talking about the Necronomnomnom, we're talking about what's in it. And then, you know, kind of at the tail end, there's, a, there's even a kid's menu. And of course, Tom leans in and says, that's, that's made for your children, not, not with your children, <laughs> um, just clarifying. And I usually <laughs> say something like, well, you know, once they get the book home, we don't have a lot of control, Tom. <laughs> it's like stand-up uh, comedy and sales at the same time. It's so it's such a sense of fun with this, like and like I said, like other I've had other cookbooks that you know have some of it, but I think this one really is just a lot of fun, and I think anybody would love to get this. So they like horror, especially if they're a Lovecraftian fan, and like mm -hmm. to cook. I think this is just the best of all worlds. It's really a great cookbook. It thank you, thank you so much. Um, it was the greatest amount of fun I ever had working incredibly hard on something um, you know it, it was it was a, a lot of work but like I said it was a labor of love and we enjoyed practically every minute of it it, it was a blast and and it still is I mean you know we love um, having people you know run up to us at, at conventions and shows with their copy and say can you sign this for me and we always will um, you know or Great to see you guys again. Hey, is Kurt here? Can he make another doodle in the back of my book? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, I want to, um, I got so many questions for you, but I want to branch out too and mention that um, you now are going to have, I, I don't really, I, I hasten to say the word sequel, but you're going to have a drink book coming out in October. Is that correct? You want to talk about that? Yes, indeed. Um, it is, it is not a sequel. It is a companion. Ah. So the Necronomnomnom is getting a boozy sidekick. Um, the uh, Lovecraft cocktails, emphasis on the craft, nice. will, uh, will be out um, in October uh, of this year. So October 12th, 2021. Um, 
it is done by the same team. It is done in the same style. Um, it's 75 plus cocktails. It's definitely plus. Um, I don't have the final, 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 final copy in my hand yet, but that is imminent. Um, it's, if I may say so, you know, it, it's looking great and it does, um, you know, all justice to the Necronom Nom Nom as a, uh, as a companion work. Um, I will say that it is um, aimed to be a little bit more accessible because, you know, we hope that uh, bars and restaurants are, are going to be interested. And the bartender or the mixologist is not necessarily a Lovecraft fan. And we didn't want them, you know, actually going mad trying to make the recipes. Right. So, you know, the, um, the crazy language is, is, is turned down a notch, um, you know, to make it easy for someone to look at it and say, oh, okay, this is a old fashioned with, you know, these changes. I, yeah, I, I can do that. I know what I'm doing. This will come out fine. Also, you know, booze is expensive. We don't want people wasting, you know, high quality ingredients, making something that, that doesn't work. So um, every bit of the flavor and feel is there. It's a little bit easier. I mean, even with the Necronom Nom Nom, um, you know, we put an index in the back that translated everything into plain English. Um, just because sometimes you don't want to cook on hard mode and you just want to make something. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's the ability to flip to the back of the book and do that. We didn't need to do that with Lovecraft cocktails because, you know, first of all, the, the word count for a drink recipe is much lower than, you know, a uh, seafood dish, for instance. Yeah. You know, so um, it's it's a gorgeous book. I, I think, um, you know, I sent you uh, some of the advanced uh, material to, to have a look at. Yeah, it looks really great. And, and the drinks look really wonderful, too. They are a lot of fun. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying that, um, you know, I was talking with Countryman about, um, you know, what's next. And of course, we are in the midst of a pandemic and right. not be going out and, you know, doing things that are unnecessary. Um, so when I floated the idea of the, uh, the cocktail book, all, all puns intended, um, they said, yeah, that's great. And I said, all right, well, I can um, order a bunch of things for curbside pickup that I might need from the uh, liquor store and get started. And, you know, look, being locked in the house for a year with um, a large amount of um, bar materials to work from led, led to some interesting things. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it'd be kind of fun to I mean, have an excuse to buy some. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of really wonderful liqueurs out there and things you can get for drinks that you wouldn't always buy just for a lot of the, you know, I mean, if you're just making gin and tonics all the time, you're not going to buy some of this stuff. But if you have the creative inspiration like this book would provide, you're like, well, I guess, I, you know, I should get some Cassis and I'll get some Strega and I'll get, you know, some, um, you know, some of the other liqueurs that you mentioned and just to try and take them and, and use them. Oh, Blue, Blue Caraco or uh, Carousel. Carousel, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, that's all right. I did the same thing in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that's how that's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to have these things. And also, I, I really feel like all the drinks you take, you, you're inventing uh, would taste good because God, how many times have I been to a convention 
where somebody like, here's a Romulan ale, and you try to drink it and it tastes like uh, Vic's NyQuil. Right, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, um, so thank you for making something that's actually drinkable. Yes, I was very, very concerned um, about that. Uh, and, and, you know, Tom Roach kind of beat that into me. The recipes have to work, Joker. You can make the best pun or the worst pun as the case may be in the world, but people are going to consume these things and they better be able to enjoy them. And I am um, very gratified to say that a lot of these, you know, from, from inception to <laughs> imbibing um, worked out well. There were, there were quite a few that needed to be tweaked and tuned. And there was only one that was ever just thrown out, burned down, and started over from the beginning to get it to work. Um, it, you know, there was just one that we we had a uh, the opportunity, actually, uh, you know, early on to test on on, on living beings. And um, you know, out of the seven that we brought, that one just didn't fly. And you know, it was a case of this tasted okay to me, but not everybody else and I'm, I'm, I'm convinced to this day that that is because I knew what was in it and that it should work, damn it. Um, but it just, uh, you know, it just didn't. And um, I was, I was uh, not averse to starting that one over and it's a much better drink for it, so. Yeah, I think that kind of happens anyway. I, I have, my brother um, makes a lot of drinks and stuff like that and he's trying out a lot of tiki drinks and stuff like that. I know a lot of people that try different stuff. They'll get like retro, uh, you know, books that that have listings and stuff from like the 20s and 30s. And sometimes, you know, you could read something right and do it right and it doesn't always translate well or it doesn't always, you know, maybe somebody back in the 30s thought it was good, but you're drinking it going, wow, this is uh, not great. Right, yeah. Um, you know, we, we did ask um, some <laughs> luminaries in the field for for um, contributions and submissions and I made and tested all of those I mean it would have been easy to cut and paste them and say well that's what they submitted you know yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it needs to be um, but we did not go the easy route um, we, you know there was time and opportunity to make sure that these these things work the way that they thought they did you know much like I had one that I thought was fine you know wasn't so um, yeah, my, uh, you know, my collaborators, um, very grateful to them and their, their drinks are all picked out, you know, specifically in the acknowledgements of people are curious who made what, um, anything that isn't acknowledged, um, you know, was, was mine. Um, and about half of them, roughly half of them are uh, variations on classic cocktails, right? So the bartender can look at it, like I said, and go, okay, this is that with, these two things being different, off we go. And the other half are just completely mad, bonkers things that I made up to work with a terrible pun um, yeah. that I had thought up. <laughs> like martini shake and not Hester. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. The, uh, the shake and not Hester from, uh, from the Necronom Num Num is, uh, is a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, and that was a little bit of a surprise because it's a variation on my favorite martini, which most people look at and go, oh, what are you drinking? In fact, you know, my wife, there, there, there's a story somewhere, I think maybe if it's even in the Necronomnum, you know, where my wife saw the residue in the bottom of the glass and was like, oh my God, what were you drinking? Because <laughs> who puts, you know, wasabi in a martini? Um, you know, can I tell you? So uh, not everything is for everyone, but, um, 
you know, the, these things have been tested thoroughly on probably humans. Well, I, I, I'm a man who's uh, tried to drink my way through the martini menu at the Cheesecake Factory, so oh. I know <laughs> I've had yeah. some interesting uh, things in the martinis, and they don't always work out well, but it's fun to try, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, people, just, just like with the Necronomnomnom, um, people will change things to their own taste, and that's yeah. perfectly fine. We are thrilled to inspire. Uh, there, there are no Necronomnomnom police Nothing will yeah. reach out of the darkness to grab you if you change a thing because your dietary restrictions or preferences demand that this not be in it or, you know, that that should be in it. So we have, you know, smoothed the way with the powers that be to say, look, you're just going to have to put up with people changing these rituals and rites, I mean, recipes, <laughs> and, you know, let them live because if people are being sucked into interdimensional portals by black tendrils, left and right, word's gonna get out, so, you know. Now, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, um, as somebody who, you know, who basically put forth an idea, and then you, you kind of tossed it in the universe with the um, GoFundMe, that must've been fairly gratifying to see such an upswell of interest and kind of love from the, the fan community. How did that feel, and how did that work out for you? I, um have an enduring gratitude to our Kickstarter backers. Um, those folks were incredible. Um, so first of all, you know, you put something out there and the world reacts to it. Like, how fast can you make this? Uh, you know, give, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me now. Um, and that's an incredible feeling. But, you know, as with many Kickstarters, the process was, you know, not smooth there were challenges that were unanticipated things came up there were delays some things were harder to do than others and um you know we communicated openly and frequently with everyone and everyone was great i mean two thousand people basically you know very close to that um just were super understanding their their anticipation was palpable their involvement um, and their, their desire to, you know, communicate with us just really fr frankly set the tone and set the bar for everything that we have done since and will do in the future. Um, we, we just talk to people and, um, you know, it was a great, great, great experience. The, the feedback um, after they got, you know, these books was unbelievably gratifying. Um, I, I know I've used that word a bunch in this interview, and um, I can't help it because it, it's just, it's real, and it's there. Um, these folks were fantastic. Well, the, the, you know, the reviews are really favorable on Amazon, and people really love this. Are you, are you looking, um, I mean, I know, I know you got one coming out in October, but are you looking at other books in the future? Yes, there is a, uh, there is a third tome planned. I'm actually in the process of um, getting together the samples so that I can hand them over to Kurt so that he can do his magic so that we can take them back to the publisher and see if those fly. Um, that is a, let's see, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give your, uh, your listeners a little preview here with the, with the proviso that the names may not stick and right. the, you know, at this point in the project, the course could change direction at, um, you know, at the will of 
those who wield the ink. Um, so there is a, a third work in planning. It is uh, desserts and baked goods. And the working title is the Necro Yum Yum Yum. Very nice. I'm looking, I'm a big baker, so I'm looking forward to that too. It will be the most technical of the three books because as you well know, baking is a science, not an art. And yes, yes. If you don't get things right, they just <laughs> fail. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to work extra hard to make these bulletproof, but I've got Tom and I've got my wife, Maggie, who is an excellent baker. Nice. Um, and um, you know, some of the Necronomnomnom recipes, of course, are, are hers, um, a couple of her moms. Um, you know, heavily tweaked to make them fit into the uh, the aesthetic, but you know, mostly aesthetically tweaked and not changed in terms of flavor. So, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, we will we will be working hard to make sure that um, anything that involves baking is you know bulletproof by the time it it gets onto paper. If we uh, you know provided that we we get that far, and um, it'll be fun <laughs> to work on either way. Well, yeah, you brought up something that made me think is like, I think that as many of the recipes may have been inspired by um, other recipes, you, I think many of these recipes in here, especially like I'm looking at the hors d'oeuvres and going, I could take any of these. And if I had guests coming over, I could whip these out and really, and, and I may not add the embellishments that make it, you know, Lovecraftian, but like a lot of them, I think stand up. They're really great recipes and they're very tasty. Like, I mean, I look at the grape old ones, yep. wands spelled W-A-O-N-S, but like, yeah. That's a really solid one. I would serve that, you know, to friends coming over for drinks, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, done, done right. You, you look at that and that is one of those that absolutely sticks to the, the goal of things being horrifying to the eye and delicious to the tongue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you about um, Red Duke Games. Um, do you want to give, give our um, listeners some information about Red Duke Games and talk about it a bit? I would be glad to, thank you. Um, so part of the Kickstarter project was we're making a book, um, but we need to incorporate into an entity um, to deliver this thing. And then, you know, we have goals. Um, Tom's vision for the company was a game company to begin with. And, um, you know, he went along with me and said, yeah, our, our first product can be a, a cookbook. Sure, that's totally normal for a game company. No, no problem. Um, but it worked um, far better than um, we could have anticipated. And so, you know, it provides um, revenue for us to fund um, indie artists and indie designers and ourselves for our own ideas um, to bring often with Kickstarter's help, um, projects to life. Um, we have, um, in fact, I'll, I'll put a little blurb out there if um, people happen to be listening in time. We have about two weeks left in a Kickstarter for a head-to-head -head card game. It's a fantasy card game. Um, it has all the, the fantasy tropes of the assassins and paladins and whatnot um, fighting each other. It's a beautiful game. Uh, illustrated by Jokara and um, it's an ex it's our first external designer, a gentleman named Eric Fairchild um, who just had a great product came to us and said, hey, can you help me make this a real thing? And that is what we wanted to do because, you know, fundamentally we are a game design house. Yes, we understand that we have to produce things in order to get them out there and for people to see them. 
Um, but you know, we will do everything from take our own crazy ideas um, and bring them to fruition um, in the process still with a bunch of those uh, and help you know, someone else. Now it is a lengthy process. Um, it, is, it, is, it is tough to do and we operate locally um, to uh, the extent that is humanly possible or inhumanly possible. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that, that has its own challenges, but, um, you know, so far uh, it is doing well. And um, by the way, that Kickstarter is called ASRA, A-Z-R-A-H, War of Heralds. And if you um, look for Red Duke Games on Kickstarter, that should pop up for you. So well, I'd be uh, happy to uh, put that link on the podcast information. I will make sure that you have that. All right. Sounds good. No problem. Um, but yeah, we are a game design house and we are concentrated at the moment on, on card games because um, they are simply easier to produce. We do have several board games in, um, in planning, various stages of completion. One, otherly ready to go. We just need the money to, you know, make the copies um, and others that are further down the uh, development pipeline. But um, we have been very gratified to be able to sort of spread the love and, you know, help out um, various artists and, uh, and designers and creators. And we will continue to do so to um, the extent that we can. Well, there, yeah, there's been some great card games coming out. Um, for the last 10, last decade has seen some really good things being produced. And it's really been fun and encouraging to see all these wonderful game houses and uh, publishing uh, companies opening up. And I'm really excited to see all this stuff that you guys are producing. Yeah, um, crowdfunding platforms have um, really democratized the uh, gaming industry and where you might get, you know, maybe a few hundred new games in a year from, from the big uh, game companies now you can get tens of thousands, um, which is great. It also makes it easy for things to get lost in the crowd, but the internet is big and has many eyes. Um, it's kind of this electronic shagath out there, and, um, but you want to attract its attention <laughs> as opposed to get the heck away from it. I think the, game, the card games have something kind of nice that I think the more complex role-playing games didn't have is where I think like people who are casual players can kind of get into it and have fun. Whereas I think D and D was a little more involved and it was hard to bring a girlfriend into D and D without having to spend like a week explaining a lot of systems and stuff to them. And, you know, then asking her to, to please stop and come back and, you know, what did I say wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm normal. Um, and you know, that's, um, yeah, that's a thing. So I look at those card games as sort of the hors d'oeuvres, right? The appetizers, um, yeah. you know, in, in the book, um, they're, e there's, they're easier and more accessible and you can taste them and know if you like them quickly or not. And you haven't, um, you know, gotten into a seven course meal. Yeah. I remember I, I have the, uh, one of the um, Lovecraftian card games and it's really fun to look through it and show it to somebody. And then they might get interested in saying, oh, but I'd love to play a role-playing game. You're like, well, I just happen to have Call of Cthulhu right here. Right. Yep. Yep. Yes. That's, uh, yeah. And and, Stan, and um, Sandy Peterson has a copy of the Necronomnum. Um, I had the, uh, the great experience to meet him and hand it to him at 
uh, Necronomicon in Providence in 2019. Oh, wow. And I mean, I just had to. I, I said, sir, you're, you know, so many of your books and games inspired me and I got so much enjoyment out of them. Um, we are thrilled to be able to perhaps return the favor in, in some small way and um, would honor us to have uh, our book on your shelf. <laughs> for that's, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for being here with me on the podcast. It's been really fun talking to you. and I've really enjoyed talking about the Necronomicon. So thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Dean. And um, it was great talking to you too. And um, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, hearing um, the results and I uh, will be sure to get you any information that you and your uh, listeners may need. Thank you so much. Thank you. hope you enjoyed that wonderful conversation with Mike Slater. I did very much and I hoped again to have him on here again soon. Um, they have a new cookbook coming out in October and I'm going to uh, lobby them really hard to join me then for that as well. I'm looking forward to it. Um, please join us next week with Portland, Oregon-based food writer Heather Arndt Anderson. I've read several books by her recently about my favorite topics, breakfast, of course, uh, berries, uh, and uh, also chilies. Uh, if you're a food nerd and also like biology, history, and mythology, you're going to love her books, and I'm sure that you'll love the conversation, so please join me then. Until then, keep cooking. <laughs>